Good morning. Well, welcome to the first part of a very ambitious series that we're beginning today called The Story. For those of you at our West Campus watching this on the screen, welcome. If you're here for the first time, thanks for coming, checking out our church. You've shown up on a great day when we're starting a series that's going to look at the core stories of Scripture from beginning to end and look at the story of God. I would imagine you have a Bible in your house. Most people do. In fact, 90% plus of Americans have a Bible somewhere in their house. That might be a nice game to play when you get home. Hey, kids, let's find the Bible. Because most people don't read it in spite of the amazing story that's in there about God's pursuit for the hearts of people. About a year ago, a guy named Walter Zamasco was found dead in his home, and he had been there for a month. No family, no friends, and a house he had lived in for over 45 years. And so when the county came in to figure out, well, what are we going to do with this stuff? And they start cleaning everything out so they can have the estate sale. They struck gold, literally. What they found in this old man's house who had $200 in his bank account was gold coins that he'd collected all of his life from around the world. In fact, when they started adding it up, it added up to $7 million worth of gold just stashed away in bags and boxes in this guy's house. I think as we go through this series, you're going to have an experience like that, like striking gold. You're going to find things in God's Word that you never thought were there. You're going to find direction you'd never imagined. You're going to find stories that you're going to be like, that's in the Bible? I didn't know that was in the Bible. And then you're going to realize what gold you have hidden somewhere in your house or on your smartphone or on your computer that you can access anytime you want to. So this series is going to be 31 weeks long. May 27th will be the last day when we finish out this series. And you might go, what? 31 weeks? Are you crazy? It's not going to be like uh, if you show up in three weeks and you miss a week, it's not going to be like uh, you show up at a movie halfway through it. That We've designed each message till, till it stands alone. And you're going to get something out of it if you have to miss a few weeks or, or you invite a friend and they end up coming on week 10 or 15 or 34 or 31. Whatever week they show up on, they're going to get something from it. A couple years ago, I started considering we need to teach through the Bible. We, we need to really just look at the Bible, go from beginning to end, and that's what we need to do. And I started to ask leaders and friends and other pastors, like, what do you think? And 100% of the people said, that is an awesome idea. Nobody said, you know what? I kind of got a handle on the Bible. I, uh, I don't think we need to do that, church. Let's do something else. Everybody thought, this is a great idea. And the goal is to help you get engaged with God's Word so you find gold. And you find hope in difficult times. And you find peace in stressful times. And you find answers to the questions that life just seems to pile up as we go through it. So if you want to get the most out of this, there's a few things that you need to do. The first one is show up. Just come to church. And just so, just to, get, just to be clear, we meet every Sunday at LifePoint. I know right now you're going, what, every Sunday? I thought it was like once a month. No, it's, 
It's every Sunday, 930 and 11. We're right here. So just show up. And if you're here for the first time today, a little later in the service, you're going to hear about this thing called Try Five. Come back. Give it five shots and listen to what God's word has to say to us as we open it up, starting at the beginning and going all the way to the end. So just showing up. You're going to get a lot by just showing up and just just listening. But there's other things that you can do to get a lot out of this series. You can read, you can discuss, and you can participate. And we have a website, an extension on our website. It's on the screen, lifepointchurch.com slash the story. And there are a lot of resources on there for you to look up. Today, you can get a copy of the story. You're out in the lobby. Only five bucks to get one of these. And all this is, is the New International Version of Scripture with the core stories chronologically arranged from Genesis to Revelation. It was put together by a guy named Max Licato, who is an an awesome author. So get one of these today. It's only five bucks. You can get one out in the lobby. You can get one online as well. But there's a lot of other resources on that website. Go on there. You can get, uh, everybody's going to get one of these today. These are out in the lobby at the info booth. Grab one of these. It's just a a bookmark that kind of goes through some questions that you can do on your own or, or in your small group or around the dinner table at home. Grab one of those. And then if you do miss a week, go online and follow the links and listen to our webcast. But you can also, starting with this message, we're going to be able to video cast, and you're going to be able to see it on video if you miss. So you got to read your e-news this week to find out how to do that. So when the e-news comes out later this week, take a look on there, and be able to, and you'll be able to watch today's service on video. And the last thing you can do to really get a lot out of this is bring somebody with you. Invite somebody. Invite a skeptic. Invite somebody you know that's going through a difficult time or just somebody you know that doesn't go to church. Just bring them with you and let them experience this story journey along with you. Well, there are some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. The ushers will give you one of those. It's yours to keep if you would like one. If you would just like to borrow it, you can borrow it and leave it in the back. All the scriptures that I read are also displayed on the screen. And if you want to, you can just read along on there. So let's jump right into the story. We're going to start with the very first words of scripture. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, most people, even if you don't go to church, even if you haven't read your Bible, somewhere you've heard that. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Now, God could have chosen to start Scripture any way He wanted to. This, this all was written down by a guy named Moses. We're going to talk about it in a few weeks. And, and when he had Moses write down these words in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, he could have started any way he wanted. But the way God started was, in the beginning, me. He wanted us to know, in the beginning, it's me. I'm the beginning of your story and your story and your story. I'm first. I started it all. I created everything, and he wanted us to know that. Now, you might be saying, well, duh, everybody knows that, but they don't. Not everybody knows that. So the first thing we need to understand about God from this verse is, if you're taking notes, write this down, God is and God creates. Now, you got to get this in the first part of this message, in the first part of this series. Before we can go on to what's next, we have to understand the how, and the why. Because the story that God was in the beginning and God created everything is not the only story as to how we got here. I mean, one of the very basic human questions that's been asked throughout time is, who am I and how did I get here? People want to know. 
And there are competing stories out there for how we got here. One story, which we're going to be talking about today, is we got here by God. God got us here. God created us. But then there's another story that says, well, there's something else. And that that story goes like this. How did we get here? Well, we used to walk a little more humped over. And our arms were longer. We were hairy. I'm still hairy, but people like really hairy. Like hair all over their body. Well, how did that guy get here? Well, he used to walk like really humped over, like, and he used his arms to get across the ground. He was, he was a primate. He was a monkey. Well, how did that monkey get here? Well, it got here because it used to like slither along the ground, and then it sprouted out some legs, but, but for a long time, it just slithered along the ground. Well, how did that thing get here? Well, it used to kind of just uh, swim through the water, and one day it came up out of the water and went, oh, I can breathe, and then it just kind of you know, started on the whole process. Well, how did that thing get here? And you keep going back and back. Well, the single cell protozoa, that's how, that's how everything got started. Well, how did that get here? Well, it came from the universe. Well, how did the universe get here? Well, there was this big bang. What banged? Well, gases. Well, where'd the gases come from? Well, they've just always been here. Okay. So now you have a choice. Am I going to believe in God? One says, in the beginning, God. And the other story says, in the beginning, gas. (laughs) Now, I don't know a lot of good stories that start with gastric explosions, right? Maybe funny stories, but not a good one. Now, students, teenagers, this is a big deal. If you're a student in school or a college student, this is what's taught at public schools and universities around the world. And so you need to know a couple things. You need to be able to answer questions. You need to be able to understand, was it in the beginning gas or was it in the beginning God? Now, these two stories are surprisingly similar because you have to have a couple of things in order to believe either one of those stories. One thing you have to have is you have to have a belief in something eternal. You have to. In the beginning gas. Oh, so you believe in eternity. That's awesome. No, I don't believe in eternity. Well, how'd the gas get here? Well, it was always here. That's called eternity. So both stories believe in eternity. Both stories rely heavily on faith, believing that something happened that you didn't see because of evidence. So both stories are very similar in those two respects. Both deal with eternity and both deal with faith. Now, whether they can call it science or whatever, but it's faith because nobody was there. There's some old people in the world, but nobody was there. Nobody was around when all that happened. So then the choice is, what do I want to believe in, God or gas? It's that simple. What this verse does, it establishes that God has always been here. It's interesting that uh, in that verse, in Genesis 1 verse 1, the word created only appears two times in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was originally in Hebrew, and this Hebrew word only appears twice, and both times it refers to God creating something from nothing. We can't do that. We can, we can build, we can arrange things differently, but we can't just say, I want a motorcycle, and it just appear. We can't say, I want 
more money and just boom. It, it, you can't do that. We can't create something from nothing. We can do a lot of really cool things and cause a lot of really cool things to happen, but only God can create. So this first verse of Genesis gives the overall story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then he goes a little bit deeper and gives us some detail. And he starts out in verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And that one line starts to give us the answer that humans have asked throughout all time. How did I get here? Who am I? Who got me here? What does this all mean? God created. And he created some beautiful places for us to see. On day one, he creates light and dark. On day two, he creates sky and water. On day three, land. On day four, sun, moon, and stars. On day five, he creates the birds of the air and all the creatures that swim in the sea. And then on day six, he starts to create animals. And near the end of day six, he creates his crowning achievement. And it's recorded beginning at verse 26 of Genesis 1. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image to be like us. For they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In his image, he created them male and female, he created them. Now, if you're just a casual reader of the Bible, you might think, us, who's us? I thought God was God, and were there other gods up there? Because God says us, that's definitely plural, no question about it. What's the us? The us is what theologians call the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each distinct personalities, all three together, God. So when you hear the word us in reference to God, it's in reference to the Godhead, to the three different distinct personalities of God. You may not know that in the beginning, Jesus was right there. He was right there in all the creation. In fact, he was the creator. It says so in the New Testament. All the New Testament writers believe that. In the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing has been made. Nothing was made that has been made. The Word, this is important, a few verses later, it says this. The Word, who's Jesus, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So when it says us, Jesus was there. Jesus was creating. Jesus was speaking you into existence before he ever became a man with flesh on him and gave his life for us. And it says that we were made in that image. What does it mean that we're made in God's image? Well, it means that when God sees you, he sees a little bit of himself. There's some of God in you when he sees you. You were made in his image. When Cinda and I look at our children, when I look at Molly and Abby, I see a little bit of me. I see a little bit of my wife. I see mannerisms and habits and funny things and other things that they do that remind me, those are my children. Those are my wife's children. When, when they are on task, when they are planned out, when they are right on top of things and, and making sure everything goes well because they're diligent and they make things happen, they're just like their mama. 
And when they procrastinate, wait until the last minute and pull it off with the finesse that made it look like they planned the whole thing out, they're just like their daddy. A little bit of them, a little bit of me is in them. And God made you in his image. And a little bit of God, God sees a little bit of himself when he looks at you. And that image of God is what is stamped on our souls. The parts of us that that long to be creative, that long to be adventurous. The parts of us that, that want order and organization in the world. The parts of us that long for relationship with others. That's God's image stamped in our souls. Then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, after all the creating was done, it says this, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So now the story transitions to be more about humans. So we get the one-liner, God created the heavens and the earth. We get numerous verses saying he did this on this day and this day and this day, and he ended up with humans. And then he drills a little deeper and talks about, here's exactly how it happened with humans. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And then God created Eve. Now, not all scholars agree about how this happened or, or specifically why it happened. You know, why, why did God create man first, then woman? Well, if you ask female scholars, biblical scholars, why did he create first man, then woman? They, those ladies would say, well, God created man and said, I can do better than that. And then he created woman. But if you ask male scholars, Why do you think God created woman second? They would say because he didn't want somebody telling him what to do for six days until he finished with creation. (laughs) That's a joke. I'm kidding. I don't know if any scholars believe that. But the point is, God saved the best for last. Us. People. You're the best of what he created. Not the result of some gastric bang way back there somewhere that ended up in this primordial soup that some things started to move and then breathe and then eventually walk upright and have mortgages and buy cars and send kids to college. That is not how we began. We began in the heart of God. That's why he created us, because he loves us. And you will be when you read about God, it's really clear that God wants to have a connection with his creation. He doesn't just want to say, okay, you're created, and then move on. He wants a connection with us the same way you want a connection with your children, the same way you love it. If you have kids, when they want to connect with you and talk with you and share their lives with you, it really means a lot, doesn't it? That's how God wants to connect with us. And it says that God walked in the cool of the day with Adam in the garden. Can you imagine that conversation between God and Adam? I mean, how did it go? It's like, I mean, he talked to him face to face with God, like sitting down over coffee. He's like, Adam, how's it going? That's great, man. Great God. Thanks. I got all these animals to name and I've been really busy. And then Adam says, God, I'm, I'm a little lonely. And God's like, take a nap. Have I got something for you? Adam takes a nap. He wakes up and there's Eve. 
And God's like, what do you think? And he's probably, she's pretty. She's really pretty. Thank you. That matches. That's what I was, just what I was looking for. That's just what I needed. Can you imagine the conversations that Adam would have had with God? And then God says, okay, now that I have Adam and now that I have his perfect mate, Eve, I want you to rule over all of my creation. I want you to rule over what I've created. It is under your care. And then God says, there's a couple ground rules you really, you got to kind of get in place. Now, why would God create rules? Because I don't know about you, but don't, don't rules kind of make you go, okay, maybe if, what if I break that? What happens? The word don't makes you want to do. I don't know what it is. I can remember growing up, my grandfather who had a big influence on my life telling me all the things don't to do. And I was like, that's a good idea. I never thought of that. So why would God introduce choice? To rebel into the equation. Because God wants us to love Him. And if there can't be a choice, there can't be love. Love has to be natural and chosen. It can't be forced. Nobody can say, you must love me. But you can choose. So God gave them the choice. And here's how He described that choice to them. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, it says... And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. Well, so at some point, God pulled him aside and said, look, you got a choice. You can follow me. You can rule over all this. You can have perfect relationship, peace, love, and harmony, and all that stuff that any human would want. There's one thing. Just one thing you, I don't want you to do. One thing. I mean, there wasn't, even, there wasn't even 10 commandments at this time. It was one. Don't eat that. That was it. Why did God do that? Because he wanted them to choose to love him. And for some period of time, there's no way to know, they made it. They did just fine. Was it a day? Was it a million years? It could have been, a, it could have been two million years. But for some period of time, they ruled over the garden. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They conversed with him. And then this happened. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You certainly will not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And that's the story of how mankind chose to no longer follow God. That's the story of how mankind chose, hey, I'm going to go my own way. And this crafty creature that we're introduced to at this part in the story, whose name is Satan, in the form of a serpent, got Eve to think more about her own needs and desires before she thought about her commitment to God. And he got her to think like this. Well, it looks good. It feels good. It tastes good. What in the world could be wrong with that? 
Why would something be wrong with that? This thing God told me not to do actually makes me feel good. So why not just go ahead and have at it and do it? And she pulled her husband in and he willingly said, I'll have some of that too. And they had dinner by the tree that God said, don't eat from it and don't touch it. And then the consequences began. And if you're parents, this is one of the things that your responsibility to teach your children is that choices have consequences. Our choices in life have consequences. And they made a choice to sin, to separate themselves from God by their choice. And the consequences would be for them that the relationship with God would forever be different for them. Evil had now made its way into their hearts and rebellion was their choice. And the rest of the stories that we are going to listen to and teach through and study through in this series is about God relentlessly pursuing people's hearts to get them back. And so God says, Adam, Eve, because you've sinned, there's going to be some consequences. Adam, you're going to have to work really hard. You're going to work the soil and you're going to grow crops. No longer you're just going to walk over and pick it off of a tree and eat it. There's going to be drought. And there's, there's going to be bugs. There's going to be things competing for the food and it's not going to be the same. And Eve, having a child is going to be hard and it's going to be painful Ladies are probably like, thanks a lot. Why couldn't you said no to the one thing? And God said, These, this will be the consequences of what you have done. And then God says something to the snake, to Satan himself. He says this in chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, hatred, conflict. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So what God is saying is, Satan, there's going to be two lines here. There's going to be yours and your descendants. And Eve, there's going to be yours, which are your descendants. And all throughout time, Satan, your descendants are going to strike at the heels of hers. But there's going to be a day when one of her descendants will defeat you. When one of her descendants won't be tempted by you, won't give in to you. And that in that section of Genesis is the first prophecy about Jesus Christ. First one, because Jesus is the one that crushed Satan's head. Jesus is the one who defeated death. And even then, in the depths of the despair of Adam and Eve, in God's no doubt emotional pain, the fact that his creation had betrayed him, there is God, like he always is, providing a way out saying that one day something's going to happen to where sin won't reign over you anymore. One day something's going to happen and you're going to be able to receive forgiveness in a way you never have before. God still loved Adam and Eve. God still protected them, but they still had to live in the consequences of what they've done. And even in the middle of that, God was saying, but something else is going to happen. And then the story takes another turn because even after this, Bad things continue to happen. And it says this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth. And every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. 
So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created. So there was evil all the time. And God was getting ready at this point to pronounce his most harsh judgment throughout time up until that point. He was getting ready to do do what we all know about as the flood. So God decides, I'm going to destroy all creation. But I got this guy, Noah, that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. Noah's a righteous man. Noah, I'm going to give you 100 years to build the ark. And I'm going to give you 100 years to bring as many people on it as you can. And for 100 years, Noah tried to get people to repent, to change their ways, to turn and follow God or turn and follow God again. And they said no, except for seven of them, which were part of his family. And they loaded up the ark, the Bible says, with a pair of every kind of animal that walked the earth. They shut the door. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And the earth was destroyed. And here's God again providing a way out of a jam that people found themselves in. God not giving up on someone because they made mistakes. Not giving up on people because they are so rebellious. God still says, I just want to start over. I just want to take these righteous people, these people that try to serve me, these people that want to obey me, and I'm going to start over. And that's what he did. So when it looked like it would be over for the human race, God said, no, I'm not going to let go of what I love so much that easily. So he starts again. And that's what the rainbow was for. You read about in the Bible, God saying, I'll never destroy the earth again by water. I'll never do that again. And everything's starting to point to this big answer to everyone's problems that's going to be coming. Even in the book of Genesis, everything starts to point towards this Savior, Jesus, that's going to show up. And this story, this beginning part of this story, starts revealing a God to us that will do everything to restore, to pursue, and to let us start over again and again. Over the last few weeks, there have been quite a few new people showing up at our church. And that's awesome. And I've gotten to meet several of you. And please come down front if you're here for the first time and meet us after the services. We'd love to hear a little bit about your story. And as I've heard stories, I heard this one story of someone who's been every week for the last five weeks. And they said, something keeps drawing me back here. Something keeps making me get up and show up. I know what that something is. It's God pursuing someone's heart the way he pursues yours and yours and yours and yours in spite of your mistakes, in spite of your downfalls, in spite of your bad habits, in spite of anything that you've done. God is saying, I want to pursue that relationship with you and I'll do anything I have to to get you there. And as you'll see as we go through this story, evil can't win. It might win some battles. It may destroy some marriages and cause people to have addictions and and cause people to lose their careers and even their reputation. But those are only battles. Evil can't win the war. Because when Christ comes, you'll see in this story that evil can't win when you say, you know what, I believe that. I want in on that. And then God says, yes, I've got a relationship with another one. Can't wait to see you here next week as we share the second part of this amazing story. Let's pray. God, thank you for just the way you revealed yourself to us throughout time. And Father, as we journey through this story together about your pursuit for our hearts, 
God, may that draw people to you. And may we find ourselves in this amazing story of you creating humans. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.